Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the senior pastor at Church of the King, and I am so pumped up that you are hanging out with us today on our podcast. I pray that God really speaks to you today and that you are inspired and encouraged to take on this life for Jesus. I want to encourage you to go on over to our website at cotk.org so you can keep up to date with everything going on. But you can only learn so much through a website and a podcast. Man, we'd love to meet you. Man, come check us out on one of our weekend services. Uh, You can see all of that online as well. So God bless you, and I hope this word ministers to you today. Well, good morning. Good morning, Church of the King. Good to see all of you guys. Hope you guys are having an amazing, amazing weekend. Who knows what today is? Today is, come on, Cinco de Mayo Day. So, uh, So you have full a commandment from your pastor. Go eat Mexican food, all right? In Jesus' name, there it is. Hey, man, why don't you just take a second, look at person on your right, left, tell them they look real good today. Go ahead and just tell them real quick. Y'all looking amazing out there, looking awesome. Y'all about to look more tan over the next coming weeks and months and all of that. So, man, my name is Jason Robinson. I'm the pastor of the church. Pumped up to be with you guys. Pumped about what God's doing in our church and what's happening. I love looking around and seeing the different faces, seeing the different people around here and all the things that God's, God's up to. I was thinking about this. Uh, we have our next steps after this uh, service. Our next step is just simply you want to get involved in church. You want to get to hear what we're more, what we're all about. Man, this is the place you uh, want to be. You want to get connected after service. Matter of fact, if you didn't sign up, Okay, you can just just show up, all right? And I was thinking about this last week. I was walking around, and I started to see uh, our teenagers and our students serving all over from kids to to set up and tear down and all of that. And I was thinking, if if you're coming, don't think to yourself, you know, well, my teenager's with me, so I can't. No, bring them with you, okay? Because this is the cool thing. Teenagers don't don't just help around at church. They're helping lead our church. Can I tell you what I believe? I believe that you're, it's not too late to be great for the kingdom of God, that God wants to use you no matter what age you are, no matter where you are, God wants to use you in a great, great way. That's why we do our kids ministry, our youth ministry, uh, the way that we do. We do our camp is coming up. Uh, Josh talked about it, a revolution camp coming up. I actually started revolution camp um, years ago, and so uh, a little while back, and, and man, it's all about, it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. So uh, one other thing I want to just plug real quick before we jump into the Word. You can open up your Bible, actually, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll get there in just a moment, but uh, next week is a special day. It's, oh gosh, Lord, please help my people, Lord Jesus, help them. All right, men, I'm going to, men, okay, men, here we go, okay. Men, what's next week? Okay, let me tell you a big mistake I made, okay? Get married. My wife's pregnant. So we, you know, it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day comes around. I bought her nothing. She said, you didn't buy me anything. I'm like, well, you're not my mom. And she goes, but I am the mother of your children. How many of y'all know it didn't go well for Pastor Jay that day? It did not. Life was, was not. So men, it doesn't matter if you got any female, of any, if they have a dog, if they own toy toys, you get them a gift, all right? It, there it is. So, but I, I normally don't say exactly what we're doing the next week, but I, I'm real pumped about this. We have a great gift for all the ladies, okay? Not just, not just moms, all the ladies. And the six most important women in my life will be all under the same roof, okay? It's my daughter's. Uh, actually, Mia won't be here yet. She's coming in the next day after that. So, but Elise, Ella, and Mia, but uh, we'll have a special time where I have three of the other ladies helping me next week, 
And so my mother-in-law, Nana, is going to help me. My, my wife will be up here, and my mom's traveling in so that she can be a part of the service next week. So we're going to focus it towards, man, just really ministering to the ladies. So ladies, bring a friend. Bring someone that you know you're going to absolutely love it. They'll expose me, but it's fine. It's good. I don't care. Whatever it takes, all right? So we're in the middle of a series called Overwhelmed. Uh, as I was praying about the series, I was praying that God, uh, I, I really wasn't sure whether I wanted to do this series a couple weeks ago, and, but I really felt like the Lord said our, our city and the people, it's such, so busy. It's going at such a rapid pace that the one word to really describe the anxiety, the stress, all the different things is the word overwhelmed. And so last week we talked about stress, how to deal with stress. And so uh, this week uh, I want to talk to you about depression. We're, we're going to jump right into it, uh, talking about depression. And so it, I know it's a pretty heavy subject, and um, it's one of those that's challenging. Maybe, maybe you're here, and you've been suffering in silence. You've felt that way, and you've not said anything to anyone. Maybe you're here, and you don't really deal with it, but the truth is you're supporting someone who does. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a child. Maybe it's a, a sister, a brother, whatever it may be. I hope today to really inform you and to help you and equip you Maybe if you're struggling or slipping into something like this that you know what to do, and maybe if you're here just supporting someone, you know something that you can do. There's a little statement that we said starting the series, and it was this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Let me define depression as we get going. Depression uh, means this. It's a medical condition that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss. It's loss of interest. Uh, any of those type of, that's, that's what depression uh, really is. And, and I want us to be informed. Matter of fact, depression is one of those things that not many people have talked about, especially not churches have talked a lot about it. Because there's almost of this sense of like, well, you have Jesus, right? So you should be fine. And people struggle and they feel bad about things and they don't want people to know. And, and man, we just want to pull the, the curtain back today and just talk about it because it is a legit thing. Now, here's the interesting thing. I, I've, done a, I've done some research, and, but not just done some research. I've actually interviewed a lot of people this past week. There's people that are in our church, people that, that aren't in our church that I know of, though, that they've struggled with depression for years and years and years. And so I didn't want to get up here and, and just start rattling off something. I wanted to ask people to help me with this message. Like, help me, is this the right thing? Should I say this? Should I not say that? And there were several things they told me, don't say that. Don't say that, but, but make sure you can say that by saying this, and they've helped me with this whole thing. And as I started talking to them and started doing some research, I'm just going to be honest, it got overwhelming quick, real quick, because you started hearing from all the, the, the different perspectives, and this is what happens, and this is why, and all this stuff, and whew, before you knew it, it was just a lot of stuff. So this is an exhaustive sub subject that I won't be able to totally get to all of it, obviously, but I hope today, this is my goal today is that I bring you hope where you've struggled feeling hopeless. Where I bring those who are maybe helping someone, maybe it's a spouse and you, and you just don't understand. You don't know how to get there. You know it's wrong, but you, there's something wrong going on, but you just, you don't know how to help them. I hope to give you some hope is, as well. So we see in scripture, and here's the crazy thing. We see men of God in scripture that they went through times of depression, that they've had depressive times. Matter of fact, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the same Paul that took the gospel to the Gentiles, that means if you aren't Jewish, 
this, this message was never brought to us until Paul started bringing it to the Gentiles. And many of us are sitting here today. If you go back through history, we're sitting here today because of what Paul did. And Paul himself, this is what he said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. He said this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble that came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Paul's saying this. The burden was too heavy for us. Above our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. See, he said, we didn't even want to live. I didn't want to live. Who delivered us from this great death and does deliver us. In whom we trust, he still deliver us. You also helping today in prayer for others. So he addressed how they felt. Man, we don't want to make it. But then he also said to the others who were supporting him, which I found was very critical in all the conversation that I had. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. As I started studying some of this and looking and trying to get some insight over it, I really saw different levels that we could see. Uh, and I just kind of want to address some of them so you can kind of identify uh, where people or maybe even yourself. Right? There's, we see there's mild, there's like a mild case of depression where let's just, just life has been tough and maybe didn't work out the way you expected and it kind of threw you in a funk. Or maybe just like, you know, you thought the marriage was going to work out and it didn't work out and here you are. You didn't expect to be here. Or maybe you thought you'd be married and you're not married and here you are. Or, or here you are looking and you're, you're, you're single again. And you didn't want it to work out. You, you wanted to start this and it didn't work out for you and it just kind of threw you maybe in a little bit of a spin. Maybe you thought you wouldn't get caught up in this or caught up in that. Or I can stop whenever I want. And, and maybe it's just, it's, it's a little mild. It kind of threw you in just a little bit of funk. But then after that, we kind of see there's a little bit more of a, a moderate depression that people can get in. That It starts to affect you physically. It starts to affect you. start feeling gloomy. And you just can't seem to snap, snap out of it. And then there is a level of severe depression. And I just want to take a moment here where severe depression will come in. And just like Paul, people can come to a place where they say, I don't want to live anymore. And I just want to say this. If you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to live anymore, that, you know, what, actually life would be better if I were not here. I want you to know that there is help for you. We want to help you. Do not leave out of here today without talking to somebody. I'll be available after what prayer team, after whatever you may need. That's it. Matter of fact, I think this is important. I wrote this down this morning. Uh, just a phone number. Because some of you may never know what, what position you find yourself in. You may be talking about, to someone. You get a phone call at 1 o'clock at night and someone wanting to take their own life. I want you to write down this number if, if you have something to write down. 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. It's just National Suicide Prevention Hotline. I want you guys, you need to be able to, to have that. So as I go into some of the things that I've learned through this, uh, th there's only one time in my life that I started to feel some of this, that actually a, a mild depressive thing started to slip into moderate times. And, and I'm not saying this just to try to connect with somebody, because I'll just be honest with you. I'm normally, a, you know, everything's good person. I'm like, glass is half full. I was kind of the kid growing up that, hey, if it's going to work out, it's going to work out for me. 
Some people think if it's going to mess up, it's going to mess up. It's going to go wrong with me. I was the opposite. I'm like, it's all going to work out for me. I've always that way. I'd probably be optimistic about things. I've always been that. But it hit this moment in April. In April 9, 2011. The only reason I know the exact date is because I have in my journal this. I couldn't explain it, but this is one of the things I wrote down. April 9, 2011. Last night was a very low time for me. I thought that I was going into a, a depression. Still working on my identity, not being wrapped up in what I do, but in Jesus. Yet when I look at the things, I know I've obviously done some things wrong, but nothing too crazy. And although I'm going through this difficult, dark time, and I don't even know why, because so many things are going well, I'm still going to keep loving people, reaching people, and building people. The Lord's been faithful to me, and I'm going to be faithful to Him no matter what it takes, and I'll be faithful to the end. That's one of the things I wrote down, April 9, 2011. Now, here's the craziest thing during this time. During this time, our student ministry that I was a youth pastor at, exploding. I mean, at this point, thousands of students have come to Christ at this point. We, we have other campuses about to bust up. We're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students and, and club, Bible clubs all over our area. I mean, everything, everything related to success, you would think, was there. And I didn't understand it. I was feeling, I felt down and I felt this cloud I, and I didn't know why. Married to my best friend in the whole world and four beautiful kids at our home, had everything we needed. And so it, it didn't make sense. It didn't, one and one didn't equal two. But all of a sudden I felt this cloud and this sadness and I couldn't really understand it. You know, I, I'm wired a certain way and it's a blessing and, and it's a curse. And some of you, if you're wired the same way, you'll understand this. I'm kind of, I'm a dreamer. I'm a, I, I see the future. I, I'm always seeing what's next and what's coming up and I'm excited to press forward for things. And the good thing about that is you always see where you're going. And it's like, man, I, I see campuses for us in our future. I see the way our, our worship looks, our youth looks, our kids look, the way our services are going, our building, all, I see that stuff in the future. I see our building being a leadership college for the campuses as we're going, as we go into, I can see and dream real big and so it's a positive thing because you can always go and see more. But here's a little bit of the challenge is many times you're never satisfied. You're never content because as soon as you get there, you see all what's still out there. And as soon as you get there, you get to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And so you go into this race and it's boom, boom, boom. And some of you are doing that. You've done just like me. And it's the next thing and the next thing. And it'll be faster and stronger and better and more vision and better speaker and better this and better and better and better. And I always think we should grow. But when you're constantly living, you're redlining it like your car. You're constantly redlining it. Then what happens is, is you're releasing adrenaline. You're releasing adrenaline. I had a mo motorcycle in, in college. Kawasaki Ninja ZX6. Yeah. It was awesome. Zero to 60 like that. One time I got out of the class and it was, it was starting to rain and you could see the line of rain and I raced Mother Nature and I won. Woo! I mean, look. And they told me, said, Jason, when I bought the bike, they said the first thousand miles are the most important because that's how you break the bike in. You can break it in in the yellow or you can break it in in the red and make it more high performance. Well, what you thought my 20-year-old self thought, oh, is high performance. Wah, wah, wah. 
that the whole time. And so guess what? That's how many of us live our life. And then as soon as we get there, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's adrenaline rush after adrenaline rush after adrenaline rush after adrenaline rush. I took, I took a day, one of my days I took off recently, I didn't have anything to do for a few hours. And I got anxious that I didn't have anything to do. That's a problem. It's adrenaline. And, and your body is not meant to run off of adrenaline all the time. It will break you down. It will break some things down. And as I was struggling during that time, I remember talking to some different people, saying, man, I don't know really what's going on. I don't know what's really happening. And I'll tell you, I thank God for my wife during that time. Because I was always saw myself as a spiritual leader, you know, and to speak faith and all that. And all of a sudden, I got to a place where I had a hard time even speaking faith. And my wife would speak faith. Jason, God's with you. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why you feel that way either. But but the Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you've been around long enough, you've heard me say this before. And I say this not because it's a good thing to say. I say it because I lived it. I said, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, my best advice to you is if you're here this morning and you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, you should know it by now. Keep. Okay, y'all didn't get that one. All right. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the answer is keep walking. Okay, don't stay so though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got one bit of advice to you. Keep, man, y'all are just amazing. You're amazing. Keep walking. And there I was. And to be honest with you, I would love to tell you that there was a moment where all of a sudden, and it was gone. But it really was, it slowly lifted a little bit more and a little bit more. It was about 18 months. It was about 18 months. And I remember at the end of all that, there was this gentleman uh, that I'm trying to get in for the fall, Pastor Jim LaFoon. He is a legit, like, as we see in Scripture talk about prophetic gift, is a legitimate prophetic gift. And he prophesied over my wife, and he said, there was a eight, he said there's an 18-month period that there was a, there's been a cloud over you, Jason. And there's been a cloud that, that's there. And he, and he talked through and he affirmed what I was feeling, but I didn't understand it. Maybe some of you, you're in here, and there's been a cloud over you. And just like I said, you don't really understand it. Matter of fact, this kind of leads right into, let me give you a little insight on the people that I talked to that said that they struggle with this and the people that was supporting them. Because I was just going to talk to the people who struggled with it. But in conversation, I realized I need to talk to their spouse, their mom, their dad, find out how did they help them during all this. And that's one of the first things that they said. The ones who struggle with it said, it didn't make sense, Jason. Like things, yeah, I maybe had some challenges. Maybe there was something specific that I was struggling with, but great family, great life. I shouldn't be feeling this way. What is wrong with me? What's going on? That's one of the first things that's the most frustrating thing is I'm, I'm depressed and I don't eat. I can't even tell you because if I could find out why, then I could deal with it. But I can't find out why. That's one of the things they said. They, and they all said this. They all said this right off the bat. And it was several people I talked to. And he said, Jay, Pastor Jay, It's legit. It's a legit thing. Like, don't let anybody just like, oh, yeah, you just need to pray more. It's a legit thing that people struggle with, and it's hard to explain. There was another interesting thing that I picked up on, and every single person said the same thing. They said this. They said that their whole life, they, they, they eventually saw some of the trigger points coming, but there was a major, major life event that happened to them, and it put them in a tailspin. 
and, that's, and they've been struggling ever since that moment. Whatever that event may be, it may have been a, a divorce, it may have been a, a situation as a kid that was horrible, or whatever it may be, it was a specific life event that threw them in, into that, and they can track it back to that's when it started right there. They also said they, this was another big one, that it truly felt like you had no hope and that no one understood. And that there is legitimate life in chemical imbalances. As I talked to some of the female side of things, they said, listen, pastor, I would encourage everybody, tell them, say, like, when you start feeling that way, you need to actually go see a doctor, first thing you need to do, because your hormones could be out of control. I found out my thyroid was out, this one person told me. Another told me it was a postpartum thing after they had a baby, and it threw all their hormones off and stuff. So they need to physically go get checked. Then ultimately, we all know and believe, and we believe here that you need to go get some, some counseling, some help, help with it. And then I asked the person with support, and this is the person with support. So they said, they said that here, I, I found this interesting. The people that were supporting said the first thing that I had to realize is, is the support needed counseling and help as much as the person struggling with it. Because the person that was struggling, that, that's supporting, they were struggling with rejection. Like, like I'm not good enough or they're avoiding me or they want to get away from me. What am I doing wrong? I need support in this whole thing. And said, so I need as much support as the other one because it's a struggle. And sometimes you feel like you're just helpless in the whole thing. Well, here's my goal as we jump into our portion of our text that we're going to use today. My goal is I want to give you hope today. Wherever you are, I want to give you hope. And I want you to know this, that your struggle is not your identity. That's a good one to remember right there. And it may not be depression. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's one of the things. I want you to know that whatever you came in here with today, that your struggle is not your identity. Your identity is not find in, found in addiction. It's not found in failure. It's not found in divorce. It's not found. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. You are who God says you are. Amen? Amen. And I want to help give you a path to begin to follow. First Kings chapter 19, Elijah, one of the prophets, great prophets, had a time and a moment of where he hit a time of depression. And the Bible walks us through how he walked out of that. And so let's jump right into verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Let me give you a little pre for a second. Elijah in chapter 18 had this amazing moment, had this mountaintop moment, had this adrenaline rush moment that the prophets of Baal were saying, saying, hey, our God is the only God. And, and, and Elijah said, the God of Israel is the only God. And let's do this. Let's have a standoff, basically. And the God that answers by fire will be the God, who the, the one true living God. So the prophets of Baal go crazy, asking Baal to, to bring down fire. And he's asking in there, they're, they're going to extreme measures to try to get it to happen, even to the point where Elijah starts talking trash to him. Elijah's like, man, your God don't hear you. I think that's why a lot of guys like Elijah, because Elijah talked trash. He talked trash to him. And one version actually says, maybe your God's on the toilet right now. Brother's busy. He got stuff going on. Yell louder, do your thing. Then finally, the Bible says that Elijah, he, he brought a sacrifice put on an altar, and they poured water all over the altar, and he cried out, said, God, we know you're the one. And, and Scripture says that, that fire came down and consumed, killed the prophets of Baal. Awesome moment. Adrenaline. Major high. And this is what happens after. 
Ahab, when he got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. I can almost see uh, uh, Ahab coming home whining to his wife. His wife Jezebel. Come on, man. Y'all know that. It's just stupid people. They don't understand me. I work hard for my boss, and he don't care. It's appreciation. Hey, by the way, be careful, because when you go process with your spouse, you do know that your spouse is ready to kill the person that you just complained about. You do know that, huh? They're ready to cut them, you know. As I mean, they, they're ready, okay? They are. And so he complains to Jezebel, so Jezebel goes into action. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow. If I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid. He was smart. He wasn't worried about all those men prophets, but he heard about a mad wife and he's like, I'm out. I'm out of here. She don't play. So Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. In the last few moments today, I just want to share a couple of steps on we see how we, what makes us vulnerable to this depression and how through Scripture, I'm just going to walk through the story that we, that we read and how to walk out of it. First thing that we see when we are vulnerable to depression by reading this Scripture is we see we, we are vulnerable in de- to depression when we overdo it for too long. He had a major high moment and just overdoing it and just going and going. And like I said earlier, faster and stronger and adrenaline after adrenaline after adrenaline. Some of us, let's just be honest, you're adrenaline junkies. You go from one thing to the next, 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 and we over, overdo it. Push, push, push. And after we overdo it long enough, we see number two. What happens is many times we get depleted, and when we get depleted, we, we isolate. 1 Kings 19, 3, part of the story we just read, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Yeah, I'm going to be all by myself. Just leave me alone. I'm going to go over here. Because nobody understands me. Or maybe the pressure of it, I just want to kind of ignore it and act like it's not there. I want to avoid the situation. I want to avoid what's going on. And, and they begin to, to isolate. And when we overdo it and we isolate, the third part almost always happens. We sink into negativity. Verse 4, con- continuing on with the story. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. God, just kill me. It's so bad, just take me out, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. He began to sink into negativity. Let me tell you what happened. He, he overdid it. He was high on adrenaline, high, highly charged. Then after that, he came down. He, he was depleted, and he began to isolate himself. And when he began to isolate himself, he, number three, he began to be negative. And as you begin to be negative... You start to get critical. And you and I both know this. Who is your worst critic? You. You. I can handle any of y'all's criticism. It's my own that I deal with. You know, I'm not the type. I'm not. I'm not the type that 
so-and-so did something or whatever, and so I blame other people. That's just my per- the way I'm wired. I- I'm-, I'm quick to look at myself. My kids do something stupid. Man, what did I do wrong? I- I- maybe I didn't talk to them about it. I didn't pray with them enough. I didn't do these things. What is wrong with you, Jason? And if you let that go too long, it turns into, <sighs> you're a terrible dad, Jason. You stink. You're a terrible husband. You know what, Jason? You're just a failure. This should be here by now, or that should be there by now. And when we isolate ourselves, when we isolate ourselves, we come down off of a high, we get into what we talk about a lot here, negative self-talk. Do you know the most powerful voice in your life is your own to yourself? And you get in this negative feedback loop, and you're talking, and you're talking, and you're talking to yourself. I feel alone. You know what? I'm just a burden to people. I'm just a burden to people. Man, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I shouldn't have stepped out. Maybe I shouldn't have made that decision. This is just wrong. I mean, the problem is you screwed it all up, Jason. It's all over. You'll never be able to recover from this, Jason. It's, it's, you step into negativity. In the negativity. And I, I, I think that's where we can end up. I know that's where people can end up where it's, you, you overdo it, you isolate, and the negative starts coming. But here's the good news. The story's not over. This is what Elijah was doing, but this was God's prescription for helping walk him out of this and overcoming this. Number one, God's prescription for overcoming depression. We see here in scripture, number one, eat, rest, and accept help. Some of you, the best thing you could do is get something to eat and go take a nap. Now, listen, if there was ever a time to say amen in church. All right, all right, let me try that again, all right? Some of you, the best thing you could do is go get you some fajitas and take a nap while watching golf today. Come on, somebody. Amen, hallelujah, Jesus, all right? That's good stuff right there. So, I mean, it is Cinco de Mayo, you know, and then accept help. First Kings, keep, just keep going down the story. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, the angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was Lupe's tortillas. Come on. Was Torchy's queso. Come on, somebody. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Brother just didn't eat and take a nap. He ate twice and took two naps. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Angel of the Lord touched him again and said, get up and eat some more. The journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. And the food he gave him gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I'm going to say just a couple of things here. Eating, resting, and accepting. There is a rhythm that God put in our world and put in our life for a reason. He did. I'm going to say this about healthy eating. Healthy eating is important. You can act like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. There's this crazy thing that happened when I turned 40. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you look 27. I know. But this crazy thing happened when I hit 40. I ate the exact same thing I always ate, and I gained 10 pounds. It's the craziest thing. As I got a little bit more in my 40s, 41, 42, do you know whatever I eat, I feel the exact same way about 30 minutes later. 
if I eat Taco Bell, I'm going to feel like Taco Bell in about 30 minutes. I know it may sound crazy, but it's key. It's crucial. It's important. It is. And rest, rest is important. Resting, and I've learned this, Sabbath is something that we've abandoned a lot. It's a time of rest. Now, let me tell you what rest doesn't. It doesn't mean inactivity. What it means is it means doing something that fills your tank up. If watching golf Sunday evening fills your tank up, watch golf. Pastor, could you say that again? My wife wasn't listening. <laughs> Whatever fills your tank, fills your tank up. That's rest. Eat, eat and rest. And, and here's a big one. Accept help from others. If you're out there and you're struggling, tell somebody you trust. Don't leave here today without talking to somebody. Talk to your, your small group leader. Talk to someone that's up here for our prayer team. Grab me on the way out. Whatever, just, if you see somebody wearing a tag, just say, hey, listen, but it'll be somebody that you trust, man. I'm just gonna be real. I need to be real. Is there somebody out there you can be real with? I hope there is. That you can lay down your guard and be who you really are and how you really feel. Put, we believe in counseling around here. Go to counselors. We can help direct you to one if you need to, whatever. Find help. Eat healthy, rest, and find help. Ask someone for help. I need help. Second thing we see, God's antidote, eat, rest, and accept help. Second thing, replace lies with God's truth. In verses 9 and 10, there he came. So after he had been refreshed and he, had wrote, he, he ate and he rested, and he ate it and he rested, he came up and said, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, Why, what are you doing here, Elijah? By the way, if God ever asks a question, it's, he, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants to know if we know the answer. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. Come on, he had a little wine session right there. You want a little cheese with that wine there, Elijah? But he had his moment and his time. Come on, you ever had that before? Everybody, nobody, everybody's stupid, dumb, they don't understand. He had a little moment. They broke down the covenant, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Not true. You're the only one left. Not true. But how many of you know when you buy into a lie and you really feel that lie, it can feel more true than the truth it feels? True. Nobody gets it. Nobody understands. I want to just encourage you in these moments, don't focus on the feelings. Focus on the truth. I don't focus on what the world says or what I feel. I focus on what God says about me. I'll get to a moment in just a second that we'll do that together. Number three, finally this. Keep moving forward. The final point of the day. Keep moving forward. Then the Lord told him, go back to the same way you came and travel the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, Anoint Hazel, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, the king of Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, for the town of, I can't say that word, to replace you as my prophet. Ashmahala, I guess. What, what are you saying? Keep moving forward. If you're struggling in that, here's the deal. There's, there's two statements that I've said to myself many times throughout my life. When I was a teenager and felt like I had a call, but I didn't know how it was going to look, I said these two statements. 
When I was a young youth pastor trying to figure everything out, I'd said these statements quite a lot to myself. If I've been around you, I've probably said it to you at some point. It's two simple things. Two simple things, but it's this. Stay in faith and stay moving forward. Stay in faith, stay moving forward. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but stay in faith and stay moving forward. I didn't expect these things to come about. I didn't expect this challenge. I didn't expect this mountain. Stay in faith and stay moving forward. I thought my kids were going to turn out this way. I thought my marriage was going to turn out this way. I thought my finances and my business and my company, my friendships were going to end up this way. Stay in faith. Stay moving forward. Keep moving forward. You cannot stay here. Elijah, what are you doing here? We can't stay here. We, got, we have to keep moving forward. For you, maybe you're out there and you're struggling in silence. Stay in faith. Stay moving forward. Keep doing it. I'll tell you practical ways you can do it, man. Man, get, get connected in a small group. Come get prayer after. Start taking steps. This Friday, we have our prayer night. And we're moving our prayer nights to the building. So we can have some worship and have some little space to really, man, come. Just let the presence of God come and just touch you. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I'm a little busy, man. If you're going through a lot, you'll make it happen. Man, when you get to a point where desperate, God, I need you. I don't need anything else, God. I need you. When you get there, I'm telling you, that desperateness, stay in faith, stay moving forward. At the end of service, we'll have our prayer team up here. We want to pray for you. And we're going to keep the music down, a little light, so that if you need prayer, some, you can come forward and, and be prayed for. Uh, before I do that, I want to do something that I've just started doing in the last uh, couple weeks. And, and it's just been interesting. I, I want to talk to you about just a good confession of faith. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually, instead of just talking to you about it, I'm going to speak it over you. I want, to, I want to speak a confession of faith over you. I'm starting to do this, getting up in the morning, and as I'm talking, I'm speaking these things over myself. I'm speaking the truth because it's the truth that you know that's going to set you free. And I want to speak not what I think about myself, but what God says about me, okay? It's all biblical. You'll, you'll, for you guys that's read the Bible, been around Scripture and all that, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a lot of it. But this is what I'm going to do. I want to ask everybody to stand up. And I'm going to speak this confession of faith over you guys and gals. And I want you just to receive it. That's all I want you to do. Just want you to receive it. You may want to close your eyes, whatever it takes for you to focus. If you want to just look at me, I, I just hear this, not as my words, but this is a confession of faith I'm going to speak over you guys right now. That Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife or my husband and will lay down my life to serve them. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they can imagine. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper and my leadership is sharper. I am anointed empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. I am creative, innovative, driven, 
focus and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I develop leaders, not, that's not something I do. It is who I am. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take thought, I take all my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that makes the difference. The world will be different because I serve Jesus today. I am strong and mighty. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. I am a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. I am not my past. I am not what I did. I am who God says I am. He says I am forgiven. He says I am redeemed. He says I am free. I am not a hostage to unhealthy thoughts. I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts. I have the word of God guiding my steps. I demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Worry is not my master. Come on, some of you need to hear that. Worry is not your master. I trust in God. His peace guards my heart, guards my mind, guards my soul in Christ Jesus. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. I am not a slave to my habits. I am not a prisoner to my addiction. I have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. I am empowered, chosen, called a masterpiece of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for me to do. My God will bless me abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all things, I will abound in every good work. My God is for me. My God is with me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Not death, not demons, not the present, nor the past. No power on earth will ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I am not what I have or what I buy. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone. By God's power, I can change. I cast all my cares on God because he cares for me. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. Daily he directs my path. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. My confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. I can do everything he's called me to do. Father, I pray every word, every confession of faith that just came forward, Lord, would be sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That it would not miss a single person's spirit here today but it would sink deep in there. And God, I pray that they would begin to speak confessions of faith over themselves, Lord God. That they're blessed. That they're strong. That they're anointed and powerful for you. God, I thank you for your people today, God. I thank you for what you're doing, God. And God, I come against every spirit of depression in this place today. God, I know some ways, we, sometimes we have to walk things out and figure things out, but God, I still believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can come and break things off of people's lives in a moment, God. 
And I'm asking right now, Lord Jesus, you would just do that, Lord, all across this room, Lord God. Break it off of people's lives, that you are worthy, that God does love you, that you don't have to end it all. You don't have to go back in your cocoon. You don't have to do any of that. That freedom is on the other side of your courage. Father, I pray you bless your people today. Father, I pray for the rest, others of us, God, that you would give us eyes to see people that are struggling, God. Give us the words to say for people who are dealing with these difficult moments, Lord God, that we might be an encouragement to them, Lord. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward now. If you need prayer for anything in just a moment when I dismiss, we're here for you. About 15 minutes after the service, we'll be going in the back for, for uh, our next steps. But I just want to pray a blessing on you. Father, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your favor. I thank you that your favor surrounds every single person as a shield. Lord, from the, high, the, the oldest to the youngest in this room today, God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that your, your light lives on the inside of us, God, and it's going to shine in everything that we do, God. And Father, I pray if there's anybody in here today that's been suffering in silence and not said anything, I pray you give them the courage in their heart, God, to say something, to speak up, Lord God. And Father, give us the wisdom to help those around us, God. Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory in all that we're doing, God. And in this crazy world and in our city, Lord God, that's running a thousand miles an hour, God. Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a beacon of light and hope, Lord Jesus, to so many people that need it. I bless your people today as they go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. We love you guys. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray for you. Other than that, you guys have a great weekend. We love you.